0: And welcome to yet another episode of the Lions Led by Donkey podcast. I'm Joe, and with me today, as always, most of the time, special guest, (laughs) special guest on his own podcast, Nick, (laughs) Uh, Nick, how you doing uh, with this uh, whole lockdown situation?
1: You know, I wish some of the activities were open.
0: You don't feel like, uh, I don't know, protesting because you can't go to Applebee's or whatever? No, I don't
1: even go out. It's more of hiking, I guess I can see that. As a,
0: but you know whatever, I don't mind. There, I don't have any hobbies that like I legitimately risk my life to do. Right. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just spoiled when I say that because I have a pretty decently equipped garage gym. I was hurting for a little bit, and I don't know. I work from my house anyway, so I really don't fucking care. Um, honestly, the only thing I'm really happy about is uh, is a pandemic makes my already shut-in lifestyle uh socially acceptable, which is nice. Yeah. Uh. So Nick, uh, I brought you on the show today, and I gave you a little warning as as our uh, as our podcast reenactor representative uh, or outreach coordinator, if I was to give you a really bad official title. Now we're talking about Rhodesia. Yeah. Now in your commu- former community, uh, the, the community that I force you to represent on a, on occasion, you're familiar with Rhodesia yeah. and the people it attracts.
1: People have a weird obsession with it.
0: I mean you're I'm gonna say most rune actors are white guys. Yeah like not stretch there. Have you ever seen any black guys uh 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 play Rhodesia? No I would imagine not. Uh and we are going to New Mexicans. Yeah, yeah, that that doesn't surprise me too much. Um uh just because like you you said before, you knew a Mexican guy who dressed up as the Waffen SS. Yeah. Uh I was gonna say maybe like the first thing that comes to my mind, and it's pretty, um, it's pretty new. Oh, is just like I don't know, white dudes in booty shorts carrying like baby shit green uh, I, FNFALs. I think that's what
1: their obsession is. That's all I saw with it. Is the aesthetic? I think that that's what there was, may have been. I'm, I, I'm, I never dove deep into it.
0: I'm glad that you brought that up because we will talk about why that aesthetic is kind of fucking dangerous. Because mm, um, my buddy wears that sh-
1: those shorts on the reg.
0: And, you know, it's it's good that you bring that up uh, because, like, we're kind of talking about now, is there's a huge reenactment um, circle jerk on Rhodesia. Like, if you Google it and, like, image search it, now, this is because there wasn't free press in Rhodesia, um, but like 99% of the pictures that pop up are reenactors. Really? Not pictures from the actual Bush War, mm. which is you know what their war was called. Uh, it's just reenactors skulking around their local woods pretending that they're taking part in a race war. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I may be kind of the, I guess, if I was to call anyone on the show. God, I just saw myself. I used to take pictures. Oh, yeah. In, like, Do it for the words. gram. Yeah. Doing race war for the gram. Well, not that part. <laughs> uh, no, I guess I'm the resident historian here. If I was to give myself a title, that's uh, a bit of a. It's better than mine. It's a bit of a better than. A, it's a bit of a rich title. I, I don't deserve, but my knowledge of Rhodesia, I would have to admit, is pretty limited. Uh, even though. Uh most of what I studied in European history was colonialism. Rhodesia's not really talked about. Um, mostly because I think people like to forget that it ever existed because it died. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, uh what my whole knowledge of Rhodesia pretty much boiled down to like they're a more racist version of South Africa, kind of, but without the international support. Um and since most of my education focused around like French. Uh I, I didn't look too far into it. Uh and also uh how would I how was I supposed to know I was ever going to host the podcast that made it over 100 episodes. Uh and that's pretty much where my knowledge in Rhodesia stayed until June 17th 2015 uh when a racist dipshit terrorist named Dylan Roof murdered nine people in a church in an attempt to start a race war. He had the Rhodesian flag along with that of apartheid South Africa on his jacket and he posted in his manifesto on a website that he owned. That was titled the last Rhodesian now, uh, since then my research has whined a bit. I fell into a pit of insanity on the internet where people ha- that have no connection to Rhodesia pine for the glory days of the white nat openly white nationalist state pointing at the horrific corruption of modern day Zimbabwe formerly led by Robert Mugabe, who is a huge piece of shit. Uh, but yeah, uh, Saying things like, well, imagine if Rhodesia had won. None of this would be happening. Or say what you will about the politics of Rhodesia, but at least it was stable. You know, you get that shit all this the time. Is the thing? Oh, yeah, you I mean, you get it more with uh, apartheid South Africa. Um, like, you know, say what you will about the politics, but the murder rate was lower. Like, yeah, but what about all the, the racism? Mm. Uh what what about like the literal ethno state that you ran? Uh you hear that particularly dark corners of the internet about Rhodesia because it's weird that most people have accepted like Rhodesia's like on the mainstream level was bad, uh, but like they're willing to give way um, on stuff like this. A lot of this is lost causism. Uh Now, when uh, Americans generally attach the the idea of a lost cause, we attach it to our own racist war uh, against the Confederate South um, in Confederates, state chalk. The lost causes them up to state rights and the right to rebel against what they saw as a tyrannical government rather than it was a slave master's revolt Uh, in Rhodesia is a sense of people championing Mm. anti-communism declaring white Rhodesians as liberty loving a liberty loving Western bastion in the middle of a communist uprising led by native Africans. And that is a sentiment that worked pretty well in the 60s and 70s. I mean, it is the global war on terror of its day. Like, uh, everything is fine here because we're fighting communism. It's like how a lot of people are willing to overlook the awful countries that we support because they, quote unquote, help us fight terrorism. Exactly. What up, Saudi Arabia? (laughs) Uh, uh, And it's also this is the same time where people legitimately thought the domino theory of the Southeast Asian countries falling to communism was a real threat. So, like. It, it, it's schrodinger's capital uh, it's it's like schrodinger's communists right like they're sandal footed inbred <laughs> savages but also they're going to take what over the world fuck? like it's really fucking stupid uh but th- that's kind of what you get whenever you attach it's a dog whistle to avoid racism it we talked about in a british free corps episode yeah. what did all those hardline anti-communists have in common they were fucking yeah. fascists <laughs> The thing is, Rhodesia legitimately was fighting communists, but they were mostly just fighting African nationalists who wanted to kick out the white people for taking over their country. Uh, Now, those communist bastards. Now, some of the main groups were communists, but also a lot of them were not because they were the only game in town. Uh, Now, there was a lot of infighting between these groups, but most of their fighting was directed towards the Rhodesians, who is a term I will use for the white people uh they were you know they were banding together to liberate their uh what is generally their native land from a white minority government that had moved in and took over not even a hundred years before like Rhodesia was very new when Rhodesia was a thing right um and, and people think of white minority governments africa they generally think of South Africa but and you wouldn't be wrong for doing so and they met it's mostly because they managed to hold on to power for much much longer and i would argue were much more successful in being gigantic pieces of shit uh rhodesia was a uh, was a spark that burnt out real real fast uh, i definitely fall into that for sure yeah most people do uh i don't know why uh but admittedly i mean South Africa existed up until the point where uh, an ethno state was like outrageous to everyone. When Rhodesia died at a time where a lot of white people were like, "Well, why not?" <laughs> but when Rhodesia broke off from the United Kingdom in the 1960s, white people of the country made up less than five percent of its total population. I believe South Africa is like eight Holy eight shit. percent. Um, uh, immediately after they declared uh unilateral independence, they were in a war against various groups of Africans, uh, that had once been political groups within the state. Uh, but as soon now, Rhodesia was pretty much a police state. Like there wasn't a whole lot of freedoms, even though they were technically a colony. And then like, uh, they had a little bit more independence, uh, even for like someone that's marginally controlled by the UK, they were allowed to govern themselves in the worst way possible. Um, and, but as soon as they unilaterally declared independence, they're like, yeah, yeah, all those political parties that kind of was allowed to exist, you're all going to prison now. Holy shit. Uh, and to be fair, they weren't really allowed to be political parties because to call yourself a political party, hypothetically, people are going to vote for you, right? Right. Yeah, we'll get to that part. Okay. <laughs> so the Rhodesian government was led by the fascist Rhodesian front. As you can imagine, pretty much anything called a front in a political party sense, not good. Okay. Not good. <laughs> it was led by a twat named Ian Smith, uh, and he sounds a, like one. Yeah, and it, no good Ians. No, actually, that's not probably that I not true. It. I don't, I don't even know. know a good Ian. I don't know a Ian. Do you? No, I do not. <laughs> hmm. We need. Yeah, I don't know an Ian either. We need some Ian representation, is yeah. what we need. Uh, the Greater Ian Union. Uh, now, Ian Smith had a problem. I a n Ian.
1: Ian? Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah,
0: I guess you could consider my last name an Ian, uh, or most Armenians for that matter. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he had a bit of a problem. The white people were outnumbered about 18 to 1. Uh, and and you know, seeing how they, they saw black people as literally subhuman and not able to govern themselves, that's going to become an issue. So that's when he began to offer land and positions of importance to white immigrants that would move to Rhodesia. And it worked. About half of the population by 1970 had been white people had moved there since 1965. Uh, eventually bringing their uh, population around 220,000 people. That's it. That's less than the population of Iceland. Jesus. Yeah. And why were white people moving there by the thousands? Well, racism, mostly. Uh, Black people in Rhodesia literally had no rights. White and black were were to be completely separate unless a black person was employed by a white person. Black people could not go into white cities unless they literally had a permission slip. Like... I know when I talk about race segregation, you're like, oh, like America. Kind of. But if everybody that was involved in the bullshit separate but equal thing, like literally uh, didn't even care about keeping a mask on of equality, which it was not. Like, I need to point that out too. A separate equals a sham. Uh, but like, and Rhodesia's like, separate, but also fuck them. <laughs> like, it was real bad. Um, Those are the hall monitors you would hate. Yeah. Black cities were. I would consider akin to South African townships. Uh, if you're not familiar with those, uh, it was they were like, "Well, see, we don't believe in race mixing, so we're going to give you your own area to run. Black people are going to run it. You're going to be in charge of yourselves." Well, the thing is they're still part of Rhodesia technically, uh, even though they tried to literally make them independent. Right. So they had to, they could they couldn't even be like, "Well, there are people." Uh, which is what like South Africa did in the Bantu stands. And they're like, well, you're your own kingdom. Now figure it out. Black people are like, we don't have any running water. <laughs> uh, well, that's pretty much what the white people in Rhodesia did as well. Uh, they were abandoned by the government to become crowded slums with no state funded schools, running water, electricity, or sewage, and no means in order to correct that problem themselves. Even though the government's like, well, you control yourselves. So you guys have your own. We have our own. Yeah. Yes, we understand we control literally the entire economy, (laughs) but like you're independent. Um, The best situation a black person could possibly hope for in white Rhodesia was to become a white family's live-in servant. Uh, They would be afforded a shack to live in where their whole family would be allowed to live in, in in the white people's backyard. Uh, it would be little more than a hut in the fields behind the white person's house. The room board and food would be paid for along with their families. Assuming they did not piss off their masters who are very likely simply to murder or maim them with little repercussion of the state. It, it was the best life they could hope for. Uh, and they were not paid. Oh, there's a lot of lose here. <laughs> yeah, they were absolutely not paid. They were sharecroppers. Yeah. And, uh, which is slavery with extra steps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, like, hypothetically, you could quit, but they could just kill you and get away with it. Sounds awful. It, it, yeah. Uh, it was almost the same as sharecropping, but worse. Uh, which is saying something, because sharecropping is fucking terrible. It was quite literally slave adjacent. Uh, it was as close they could get to owning slaves without going through the, the problematic paperwork of literally owning them as property. Mm. So they leveled up uh, they went in hard uh and it's there was a uh an account i had it in the script and then i cut it out because it's what this so this did start out as the history of rhodesia and as you can imagine that was a real motherfucker to do and then i realized i didn't want to give rhodesia that much attention so i quickly cut it down to the subject we're talking about today uh but there was a guy who um his slave was his sorry. His worker, uh, or as the Texas history books call them, migrant workers, <laughs> uh,
1: shot in Texas.
0: Yeah, uh, one per episode. Yeah, um, were he was late for work, so uh, the the owner like beat the dog shit out of him, and like he went back to work and then left the next day. The next day he was late for work, so the owner killed him. Cool. Yeah, uh, he was arrested, uh, tried, and found innocent uh, because he cannot kill his own property. Hmm. which i remind you he was not legally property like slavery was technically illegal in rhodesia but like it it, it, the 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 jury was all white people because black people couldn't be on juries uh and so they're like well he's not really my property but come on and the jury's like yeah good point got a good point the the, the defense is literally like come on (laughs) i'm white which is actually most white people's defense in america in 2020 Hmm. uh now It didn't stop right-wing America from openly supporting and championing the Rhodesian cause. Uh, If you're thinking that America was going to escape this episode, you're very, very wrong. Uh, William F. Buckley uh, is is a very, very well-known journalist. uh, And... A lot of people who are listening probably like that sounds familiar. He helped organize a propaganda campaign called Friends of Rhodesian Independence and pumped out everything from think pieces to bumper stickers, which is entirely bankrolled by the Rhodesian government, despite the fact that Rhodesia had sanctions in place making trading with them illegal. This is an open secret and was known at the time, but America's like, eh. <laughs> you guys are kind of cool. Yeah. The Rhodesian government straight-up hired an American PR firm to do, to do propaganda for them. Make our bumper stickers. It was probably McKinsey. Uh, now, there was also the American Rhodesian Association, which just helped Americans move to Rhodesia, and they thought 1960s America was not racist enough for them. Uh, this was also illegal, but nobody cared, because come on, racism. <laughs> now, admittedly, if there was like, like there's this thing called Galt's Gulch not that long ago where a whole bunch of stupid techno libertarians were going to go buy a plot of land in the middle of nowhere. And all the libertarians were going to go move out there and like kind of start a commune. But they couldn't call it a commune because that's communist. Uh, but they're going to start their own like uh, capitalist paradise. Right. I support that because they bought that land. Sure. It's theirs. And they're all going to go there and just probably dive to diphtheria or something. Um this, I'm like, well, we're getting rid of all the worst races possible in America, but then the, the black people in Rhodesia have to deal with them. Now I'm conflicted. Uh, <laughs> like, just don't let them go. <laughs> like, you know what? If you're that racist, we'll buy you a plot of light and say, let's call it Florida. And we'll just send you there. Uh, you spend your last days there. <laughs> like all rich white Midwesterners just moved to Florida. Uh, and, and they kind of, this PR firm knew what they were doing. Uh, it would have probably been safe for them just to lean into the co- anti-communist angle like I talked about, but they didn't even bother saying like uh, uh, so their their tagline was literally quote black nationalists oh, des- want to destroy the power and privileges of the white man straight up. That's what they said. Wow. And like a lot of people listen to that like oh, we can't stand for that <laughs> and they fucking move there. I mean, to be fair, that sentence, I totally support it. Black nationalists should destroy white privilege, uh, uh, especially in Africa. But, like, like that that tagline that was white people, like, they galvanized them together, like, we must defend these racists that we don't. It's like, you can't ask this class of people to have solidarity for anybody except other pieces of shit. <laughs> this message was taken and ran with by such groups as the Liberty Lobby, which is founded by a guy named Willis carto now willis carto is a guy we talked about in our holocaust denial episode because he's a holocaust denier and think jews are pretty much the like the gene seed of evil in the human race uh and also the john birch society which uh alex jones was a huge fan of i've Uh, definitely heard of him oh god yeah now these groups went so far as to support presidential candidates in america uh like to include spending money on them which again illegal Foreign organizations cannot spend money on American politics. Nobody cared. Of course, the person they decided to support was noted segregationist George Wallace, who famously said, segregation now, segregation forever. (laughs) Because they thought if he won, he would recognize Rhodesia and use the Rhodesia and use the Rhodesian blueprint to, quote, solve America's Negro problem. Yeah, they openly talked about that. Like... The Rhodesians like we understand that uh, you're really into separating the races. What if you just killed them? That's what we do. Huh. Uh, I I will give them points for not calling it America's Negro question. I guess even they were uh, <laughs> above making a Holocaust uh, connection, <laughs> so. uh, it, or not, because it turns out you do not, in fact, have to hand it to the white nationalists. <laughs> uh, now, white right wing uh, uh, American politics was pretty furious that the US government was not supporting Rhodesia in its fight against communism, which to its credit, even the CIA stayed out of it. What? Yes. I was fucking shocked. (laughs) And and to be fair, this is not a, the the CIA is good. Actually. No. Uh, One, we haven't talked about them in a while. It's true. We have. (laughs) not And two, it's because they definitely would have supported Rhodesia. uh, But, The CIA had just tried to get involved in the Angolan War of Independence to stop the spread of communism, only to get shut down by Congress. So they're a little gun-shy on getting involved in Africa again so soon. Not for any political or ethical concerns. They definitely would have supported them. some some white people.
1: They don't like being uh, shut down.
0: Like, like it's that that meme where the the kids at his desk and the veins are popping out of his head. It's like, the CIA, when they can't support a fucking fascist movement for five (laughs) seconds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But shockingly the ca did not just go around congress which they've absolutely done before they're just like "Huh, oh, i guess we gotta sit this one out guys and then they did i'm literally baffled i'm waiting for someone to email me like oh yeah well what about this and they completely prove me wrong and i hope you do because i hate saying nice things about the cia <laughs> i'm not fucking john krasinski and my my paycheck oh, doesn't, pay, doesn't like depend on that uh jack ryan this attitude was not limited to america and actually i have to say that pretty much every white english speaking country loved them some rhodesia as long as you weren't the government uh the government was not so hot on them uh propaganda like this flourished and the popular sentiment was very pro-rhodesia even in the uk whose government considered rhodesia's declaration of independence to be literally open rebellion support for the rhodesian cause by regular citizens was higher than fuck like 70 percent. those bumper stickers most God British damn. people considered white Rhodesians to be British because it was a British colony. So I'll kind of be like, okay, maybe, maybe this isn't racist, but then it was cause it's the UK we're talking about. <laughs> like a lot of their, um, their attitudes, like, well, they called them kith and kin, like they're British. We can't possibly not support them. Right. Um, they didn't give two fucks about racism because why would they, uh, while all this is going on, the British were dealing with some pretty serious racial politics of their own. Now, a Tory campaign in West Midlands uh, for Parliament successfully exploited racial discrimination to the extent that Minister of Parliament, Peter Griffiths, literally got elected on the slogan of, quote, If you want an Edward for a neighbor, vote Labour. He won. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, like, to say that the, that there was a pretty uh, uh, groundswell of support for white Rhodesia? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. now to be fair, a lot of people called Griffiths awful for saying this after he won uh, uh, labor after the labor prime minister, a guy named uh, Harold Wilson demanded that he be ejected from parliament for using such language to be elected. Could you imagine if they actually ejected him? Uh, They did not. Uh, He said that Griffiths should be treated as a leper. Uh, the Tories walked out instead of condemning a racist within their ranks and even several labor ministers of parliament scolding the prime minister for insulting lepers (laughs) for comparing him to the racist. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing happened. He he, he kept his job. I imagine.
1: Yeah. Everybody we talk about just fucking nothing ever happens. We rarely talk about good
0: people. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, Now, I I bring that up about British politics because... uh, they did consider what the Rhodesia did to be rebellion. Like the government was like, they're in rebellion against the crown, uh, but they did nothing about it except sanctions uh, Hmm. because they knew there'd be absolutely no support for them to like roll tanks into Salisbury. It just wasn't going to fucking happen. Uh, These feelings were so strong that the UK government was pretty sure that even though Rhodesia had rebelled, they did not think that their military would be able to bring them under control. This is not because they were not powerful enough, simply because their military leaders would just refuse to do it. (laughs) There was like there's rumors that um like several high ranking British military officers are just like, we won't do it. Just cause? I mean, they're British. It's true. I mean they didn't have the same feelings about Ireland. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> <laughs> clearly. Uh which means that they're like, hmm uh they have ra- they have racist rebels in one hand and like people <laughs> that, the scale people like, that <laughs> just want to be considered human. like, oh, we're going Rhodesia on this one, y'all. Even though literally the entire world demanded that the UK use its military to bring them back under control, which includes the USSR and the US both going, you should bring them under control. Like it's those one times that it's like that meme where it's like, "Fuck the worst person you know has a good point." Yeah. (laughs) For once, communism and capitalism, like yo, fuck Rhodesia. Now, obviously, the Soviet Union wanted the. Communist rebels to win because they were helping them I mean, fight yeah. the Rhodesians, but like also like but still good, yeah. <laughs> like for once, after like you have to hand it to the Soviet Union, <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> yes, well done, guys. Uh, fuck Rhodesia. Now, only about twenty-two percent of the British public support using military force to bring down the white nationalist fiefdom that was actually still soaring allegiance to the British Queen. Their unit, their unilateral declaration of independence was really fucking weird because they really wanted to be part of the Commonwealth, even though the Commonwealth did not want them to be a country. Um, they had this thing where, um, because of the South Africa situation, because you know South Africa had been part of the UK as well, you have to like, whoa, we cannot let another country that has a white minority government become independent. So like, they refused to grant them independence uh, because of you know all the racism. Yeah. Uh, so they got around that by saying, well, we are independent from the British government, but we still swear allegiance to the Queen. Her na- her face was still in the money. It really that's like really weird that they're like we're totally part of the commonwealth and the commonwealth's like we really want you to go fuck yourself. <laughs> no, no it's weird. The government of of the UK assumed that the entire world placing sanctions against them, which they did, would and and they were surrounded by enemies, which they were, the Rhodesian government was just going to die in the fires of the war that started. Like they'll they're eventually going to run out of whatever goods they have and they'll be the end of Rhodesia. Uh, but there was no shortage of people who were willing to make sure that just wouldn't happen, and that included some like really interesting arms and uh, sanctions busting, uh, like through shell companies and mostly just South Africa. South Africa just trucked military goods right over the border. You guys are cool. <laughs> and uh, Namibia ha- was uh, under the control of Portugal at the time, uh, uh, and sorry, uh, Zambia, uh, and uh, they were just like, well. Yeah, all right, we'll be friends too because we're all fighting pretty much the same groups. But then Portugal eventually lost that war, uh, and then they just another front of the Rhodesian War. Uh, Which brings us to our main topic. That was a huge intro, I know. And there's Americans fighting in Rhodesia because there's a few of them. First, I have to directly debunk a pretty pervasive thing that dominates the popular narrative about this topic the idea that Vietnam War veterans jumping from, like, just jumping on a plane and becoming, like, high-paid mercenaries for Rhodesian I didn't government. I did know that. Yeah, it's a, it, like, uh, now that did happen. There was a lot of Vietnam veterans that were like, well, they, they were Vietnam veterans who either A, straight up got addicted to combat and like could not adapt to uh, civilian life. That right. happened. But a lot of them were the ones that like truly were like, this is a war against communism, which is something that like an actual mercenary complained about when he was, uh, when he was trying to find mercenaries is that people didn't want money. They wanted to fight for political reasons uh and that's the thing rhodesia didn't want mercenaries they needed white people to move into the country and help it exist right they wanted settlers they wanted colonizers not to mention they were pretty much broken running the entire country through like front companies and shell corporations stickers and shit yeah (laughs) through a teespring store (laughs) yeah Uh, i mean they were pretty much it's almost like how north korea kind of stays afloat with like pretty much 90% of their uh, foreign economy being based on the black market. It's kind of what they were doing too. Uh, They didn't have the means to be like, yeah, come on over, pay you $20,000 a month. They couldn't fucking do that. Instead, every single foreigner who traveled to Rhodesia did so on an official enlistment contract with the Rhodesian military. Oh, wow. Uh, They would be paid the exact same amount as a Rhodesian conscript, which is about 200 bucks a month. You could get up to a thousand if you got promoted. Though it should be pointed out that uh, like they switched from the pound to the Rhodesian dollar once they declared independence. So like if even if you're like, whatever, I'll go do my contract, which is like three fucking years. Uh, like they're like, well, I'll just save up my money and leave again. You know, like some people do. They do like, you know, a contractor tour. They save up some money. They, they come back. That's the thing. The Rhodesian dollar was not convertible. You could not turn it. You could not exchange it. Monopoly money. It. Yeah, it was not real. It was like, like whatever, here's some funny bucks. <laughs> this one just has a smiley face drawn on it. Yep, fuck it. Welcome, Rhodesia, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Which one is greater in value? Like, it couldn't even be used in South Africa. Like, look, we agree with all the racism, but you actually need money here.
1: <laughs> we have lint, fish tank rocks, and a packet of ranch. What can I get? Ah, uh, you have the Rhodesian dollar. Yeah.
0: You know, you're probably wondering how the hell people got in contact in the 60s and 70s with a recruiter from an African country that was not actually a country. It's actually kind of like today with like Rojava, where uh, there's there's no phone number you can call, though maybe there is. I don't really know. But you have to kind of get in contact with a shady in-between like Facebook like Messenger Facebook group. Like. But yeah, yeah, i have not saying I've looked into it. Uh, This didn't even have that. Uh, So they couldn't call up a local office. So there was phone numbers listed places and try to like find out whatever shit job they had into the one the Rhodesian army via a badly engineered online tool. Like you can't the U S army right now. You could do that. If guess what, if your job isn't something skilled, the army's really convinced that you should be infantry. (laughs) Um, Have you ever heard of the magazine soldier of fortune? I remember the game. I do, too. They were not connected. No, they were not. Uh, which is actually impressive. They did, they did that without a lawsuit. But um, uh, Soldier of Fortune magazine, for the, those that uh, were unaware, uh, was actually, they still sold this in the PX in Afghanistan when I was there. I'm pretty sure the magazine's still around. It isn't in paper form, uh. but it is only online because uh, it's pretty much a giant grift. And putting out a paper magazine is really, really hard. It uh, costs money. Now, it was pretty much the dark spaces of the internet before the dark spaces of the internet existed. It constantly posted articles showing the evils of communism, how it needed to be fought by the liberty-loving sons of freedom. A lot of their shit was about fighting Africans, uh, uh, like African insurgents in Africa. Like, look at these savages. They just really tried hard not to use the N-word. That's pretty much it. Mm. It even had a "Help Wanted" page where you could post literally anything, uh, to include Hitman, which happened a couple of times, and they succeeded. Wow. Yeah. Uh, this is here that the that the main recruiting effort of the Rhodesian military would take place in the United States. It said full, it had full page ads. It said Through magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it was like a fucking uh, a Nestle decoder <laughs> yeah. ring, but a military full page ad that said, "Quote: Be a man among men." The Rhodesian. Army offers you an interesting and varied career with new allowances for fighting troops. And x-ray glasses. (laughs) And it had like uh, uh, an address and a phone number under it. That was it. Other times Rhodesian Army recruiters in plain clothes and undercover hung out outside of various military bases uh, and bars frequented by soldiers having just returned from Vietnam. Hmm. Around 300 Americans, mostly veterans or claiming to be veterans, found themselves fighting in Africa this way. Yeah. Now you're probably thinking like, well, they because I mean, to be fair, Rhodesia has by some amounts a warranted um, reputation for having great soldiers. So you and since a lot of them are foreign born, um, they probably assume that they do their due diligence and like making sure they're bringing like green berets like people like Rich's grandpa, who's a straight up badass. Nope. How could they? (laughs) How fucking could they? Like there wasn't like a, you can't go this this dude D DD214, right? right? Like he was like this guy says he's a fucking pilot. He's a pilot. <laughs> now, a lot of a lot of times they ask for people's uh like uh exit paperwork or uh paperwork
1: They did ask for. I feel for like it. they really didn't.
0: But a lot of people had legitimate cop-outs like paperwork gets lost, shit gets left. Fuck my DD214. Doesn't have my combat action badge on it? And I have literally pictures of me receiving it. I so feel like, like you just don't have it at all. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't have the award anymore, but like, I have, I have the awards like issued to me, like on paper, like the actual order, but it's not my two fourteen because I got out and it's all fucked up, and I didn't feel like it was really that important. I'm sure a lot of these like conscripts coming back from Nam probably felt the same way. Yeah, they probably didn't. Also, sometimes like, yeah, uh, there was a huge fire burned up all my paperwork. That happened too. Like, yeah, that's actually something that a lot of uh, stolen valor guys kind of get away with. Not that I really give a shit about stolen valor. But uh, there was like legitimate fires in VA offices that carried paperwork. So I've like, none of them exist anymore. Right. So like they were willing to like squint real hard at some people like, yeah, whatever. I'll come fight for you for 200 bucks a month. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pilot. And, and also <laughs> like they weren't in Rhodesia. So like they had to, they like mailed you the fucking contract. You signed it and then you mailed it back before you did any physical or anything. Because, like, how could they? They're not going to fly you back and forth. Right. They wouldn't even fly you there after you signed the contract. You still had to find your way to Rhodesia. Yeah. <laughs> they had no fucking money. <laughs> no, some people did get their way paid, but it's because they legitimately were pilots or, like, doctors and shit. And Rhodesia's like, yeah, we'll show yeah, up we the need, money. For we this. kind yeah. of need you guys. Yeah, we have, like, two doctors, Paul and Jim. We don't even know if they're real doctors. <laughs> <laughs> this guy keeps showing him gauze gauze on somebody's asshole. Now, uh, that wasn't actually a requirement. Like you didn't have to be a veteran. Like you could just be like, yeah, I'm white. I want to fight for Rhodesia. Yeah, you guys seem cool. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, the, the person who really wants to fight in Rhodesia is absolutely the guy you don't want fighting in Rhodesia. So the dude who's really eager about it. Yeah. Just, yeah, I'm really down. Just <laughs> fucking biting at the bit to like really just drop N words at the fucking family market or whatever. Um, to this day, people argue that the Rhodesian recruiters heavily scrutinize e- each applicant. And those tend to be people that think that like, the Rhodesian fire forces were the most elite force that ever existed. When in reality, most of their, um, their successes early in the war because the, the African revolutionaries really didn't have their shit together. Uh, or like a lot of them literally didn't have guns at first. So like, mm-hmm. it's pretty fucking easy to kill 100 of them at a the time when they have like, a right. hatchet. Like a know? stick. Yeah, until like, the pipelines opened up. And, like, they started getting flooded with weapons. And Rhodesia was pretty much losing the entire time. So, yeah. Like, there's first-hand accounts of Americans who are disqualified from service in the U.S. during the Vietnam War, which, remember, we did Project 100,000. Really fucking hard to go through there. Uh, like, they were blind in one eye or straight up missing fingers. Like, one guy went to uh, Rhodesia and was, like, blind. And straight up 100% blind in nine. Like, yeah, whatever. You only need one eye for a rifle. Fuck it. You're good. Yep. You check out. Now, if you're thinking the kind of people who would answer this call to service, who are you picturing? For the people going to Rhodesia? Yeah. Oh, obviously they got to be white. No ifs, ands, or buts. So, there was black people in the Rhodesian military, but they could not be officers. Because, of course not. No. Uh, but there not. W- th- I could not find a single account of a black American going to Rhodesia to fight. Can you find a Mexican? I could not. Hmm. Now, let's go ahead and kill the rumor of the battle-hardened American NOM vet. Fighting, Most were not veterans. Um, uh, statistics show that most of these guys were not veterans. Most were divorced or single. Shocker. And the vast majority of them uh, that decided uh, that, that decided to go quickly decide that this shit sucks and they left. One reporter noted in 1979 that, quote, the, ma- the majority found the routine just too rough to last more than a few months. The desertion rate against American citizens who had joined the Rhodesian army over the past two years is 80%. Jesus. <laughs> Well, I don't know what I would
1: buy with my 200 Rhodesian dollars. <laughs> yeah.
0: Probably nothing. <laughs> a fucking plane ticket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, fuck, I can't buy anything with this. And most of them deserted just by running south to South Africa. Because <laughs> it was a lot easier to be white there. It's true. Uh, but some of them were diehards who did not desert, and still others died wearing Rhodesian colors. And let me say, they are exactly the type of people you expect them to be. These Americans became known as the Crippled Eagles. Now it's a cutesy nickname that doesn't make a whole it doesn't lot of sense. Sound like a good name? It's uh, it, they gave themselves the nickname, or journalists gave them the nickname, because they believe that their abilities to fight communists were crippled due to the fact that the U.S. refused to get directly involved. So they're, they're eagles of freedom, but slightly crippled because the government thinks they're too racist to help. Like an eagle with a bunch of crutches on him. Well, their uh, their symbol was like an eagle with like a bandage wing.
1: That would have been better with crutches or something. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. broke dick eagle. Yeah. yeah, broke dick eagles. That's what I should call <laughs> yeah. us. I would call it that, but uh, SoundCloud really doesn't like what you swear in the titles. Ooh-wee. Um, the first we'll talk about is a fun little piece of shit known named John Allen Coey. Now, Coey was not a vet. He was born in Ohio to a devout, devout Christian family. He was an Eagle Scout who went to Ohio State University while being part of the Marine Corps ROTC. Sounds like a dick. Huge fucking dick and nerd. Dick nerds. <laughs> Uh, he taught Sunday school in his free time in his nearby church, and he seemed to be—he uh. seemed to be a, uh, the most normal person from Ohio. I think we've ever talked about about that. He graduated college. He decided he decided that he couldn't join the Marines because he became disillusioned with the Vietnam War, not for any good reason, mind you. He's confused on why America could simply not win it and why they weren't nuking them. This guy. He came to believe it was because the u s. government had become infiltrated by godless communists and Jews who meant to bring the u s. down so he'd take it over in a totalitarian this world. one world' sucks. government. Oh my God. <laughs> so the day after he graduated, he jumped on a plane and joined the Rhodesian government in 1972. These guys have their pants on right? Now, Coe thought himself to be a modern day crusader, thinking God meant for him to go to Rhodesia and fight. I'm assuming God uh, Coey's God was really comfortable in using the N-word. Uh, because there's one thing I remember Jesus saying is, go forth and kill black people. Mm, yes. Yeah, that's the Jesus I remember. I remember that scripture. <laughs> yeah. Kelly joined the special air service of the Rhodesian special forces. He did well and graduated on time, eventually being selected for officer's training. During this time, he selected an Afrikaans name, Johan Kotsi. So he could write political pieces for various newspapers in both Rhodesia and South Africa. He's literally an opinion column writer while fighting a race war. The New York Times would be all over this guy. <laughs> the Washington Post like, how quick can you get to New York? <laughs> he He eventually wrote a piece on the failures of American anti-communism that was apparently so right wing, which I could not find a copy of this, by the way. That he was seen as an extremist by the Rhodesian government, really, (laughs) and he was kicked out of officers' training. Holy shit! (laughs) He was too much of a fascist (laughs) for a fascist government. Whoa, you're kind of hardcore, guy. Also, like his uh, uh, anti-Jewish stuff, his anti-Semitism was like not something that Rhodesia really bought into. So they're like, "Whoa, too much for us, chap." Now, demoted uh, to being a regular trooper, he went on one mission and was told that he would not be going on another because his his commander said, quote, he was not worth it. Wow. (laughs) He was moved to a different unit and apparently did pretty well, though everyone seemed to hate him for being an uptight religious nerd. (laughs) Imagine you're like, finally, I got to the land of my people. And they fucking hate you. You suck. <laughs> Just in the back all the time. And, and a group full of fucking racists, they don't like him. He's yeah. amazing. He was so much of a fascist. Put that... on the
1: fucking bench.
0: <laughs> Give me water! I'm, imagine flying around the world to join a white ethno state like you've always dreamed of and you get put on the fucking B team. <laughs> imagine Fuck that guy <laughs> he's such a fascist that the the racist white nationalist government said you went too far and making the uh, and are such a fucking dweeb that the rest of the white nationalists think you suck too he just tried too hard he's a, he's a tryhard yeah now he he became a medic uh Ooh. which uh, like he, he ended up writing a book which i did read and it's terrible really yeah uh we'll, we'll get to that part but uh, What's it called? uh i think it's called martyr's tale or something like that um uh yeah yeah uh but so it's i pirated it because then when it gives mom any money uh so <laughs> you, it's, you pirate fucking everything fuck so do. it's not hey, a surprise everything for everybody man I'm communalist it's up in this motherfucker a all. Uh, no, i pirate literally everything. i pirate your books the only thing i haven't pirated is adobe audition because i could not find a way to do it mm. um but stupid cloud technology fuck. <laughs> uh i we gotta blow it up i i did um uh, have a, a, a copy of Photoshop back in the day. And I definitely LimeWired that motherfucker. Uh, but so yeah, he was a medic and a lot of people say like, there's like legitimate like in memoriam websites for the people that died fighting in Rhodesia because like racists are eternal. Uh, but there uh, was like this, he's a revolutionary uh, in being a medic, literally the thing he did was bring a weapon because like medics, like congratulations. The U S has been doing that a while in Vietnam. But yeah, cool. Give it up to Kui. Kui. What Was he doing praying for their wounds? Uh, probably not great because he got shot in the face and he died. Ooh-wee. Yeah, fuck him. Can't pray after that. Uh, he got shot in the head by a communist machine gun nest. Uh, but uh, in his diary, which is what ended up becoming his book, he wrote a lengthy entries on why he supported the use of biological, chemical, and psychoactive weapons in the black population, as well as starving them to death. Notice I said population. Not the communist fighters. Right. <laughs> he just met a lot of people. Um, yeah. Uh, after his death, his mom attempted to uh, publish his diary as a book, but it was so extreme that nobody wanted to touch it for over a decade until a religious press picked it up.
1: Oh, man. So the mom is a piece of shit, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mom's huge piece of shit. Uh, re- one reviewer on Goodreads said, quote, I only made it through about 20 p- 20% of the book before realizing it was a huge waste of time. Yep. How far did you get? I read the whole thing. <laughs> And because I was originally going to do a whole episode on him and we just laugh at him the whole time, but it's it's huge screeds of him about how much he hates communists. Like, I can't fucking read this. Uh, uh, But also, like, ah, you're dead. (laughs) (laughs) Now now this fucking socialist is (laughs) laughing at you, you stupid dead fuck. You fucking nerd. Shit? <laughs> Bet you eat shit, don't you bitch? Yeah, you little bitch. <laughs> There's also a few other Americans with weird ass histories that made their way to Rhodesia. One of them was a guy named Frank Battaglia, uh, who he fought in Vietnam and then he joined the Spanish Foreign Legion. Uh, now, this is weird because normally you have to be like Spanish to join the Spanish Foreign Legion. Uh, the Spanish Legion was well-known at the time for taking part in war crimes against the people of the Spanish Sahara and being used as th- by the fascist dictator Francisco Franco for being a death squad. Oh,
1: yeah. Did that a- something that he liked?
0: Uh, he was a huge fan. Uh, apparently, he didn't get enough killing of unarmed people because him and his wife uh, flew to Rhodesia to join the Rhodesian military. She like packed parachutes or something. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, both Batagli and his wife served until he was killed in 1978
1: Fuck that guy. Sucker.
0: <laughs> now, this brings us to the next group of people who I'm sure everybody deep downside, if, you, if you're like, hmm, I bet they're coming up. Everybody knew that they were coming. Nazis. Straight up fucking Nazis. Now, I have to admit that I did get this information from a straight up neo-Nazi website. I will not put that... I, I will not source this material because I don't want anybody else going to this. It was... How'd you feel looking at that page? Real bad. Uh, Like, I'm... I didn't feel good. To clear your browser? Like, I, of course not. Uh, <laughs> someone has to do that upon my death. Uh, but... Got you. <laughs> like, I am literally quoting straight up Nazi bullshit because they were not... Up, well, one, they're not upset that they're Nazis because, no. like, they're literally wearing armbands and marching through the street back then. And, they, you know, like, good thing that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, um, they're kind of proud of that shit, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and two, like, they were really, really happy with that, like, someone went and fought. Multiple people went and fought in Rhodesia. So, like, I have no reason to believe they're lying. <laughs> like they would be really happy about this. Uh, so one of them is a little bit close to home. That's a guy named Harold Covington. Is he from Michigan? He's from Bremerton, Washington. Oh, we about 45 minutes from this house. Yep. Uh, he was, he was um, from a group called the National Socialist White People's Party. Yeah, uh, you don't have to put white you people don't. Yeah. in a national. So we we it's, know that it's already there. It's fucking assumed. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like you don't have to put Jeffrey Epstein's picture in like in the middle of the Democratic <laughs> emblem. We know uh, now. He was the founder of the National Front. Remember how I said front always bad. Yeah, bad again. Uh, is a shitty Nazi website, he joined the American Army in 1971 and discharged two years later. We can assume for bad reasons. I couldn't find any reason why. Uh, after which, he took his hate world tour to South Africa. But he saw himself as something of a revolutionary leader. Like, he had to be... Like, South Africa just kind of existed. There, there didn't want to be time for his bullshit. So he hopped over the border to Rhodesia, where he claims to have joined the military. But no record of that exists. And I have to tell you that there's exhaustive records about people who served in the Rhodesian military. So stole stolen valor as well. Mm, yes, uh, and nobody has ever claimed to see him in uniform And his combat records Which he could never stop talking about Are seemingly non-existent mm. What we do know is he tried to get involved In Rhodesian politics But was kicked out of the country for being a Nazi <laughs> Like He was actually such a shithead That the neo-Nazi website that I found this end Was like he was too wrapped up in political bullshit And got kicked out of the country like Man even Nazis are dunking on you <laughs> And this brings us to Richard Biederman. No relation to Felix, <laughs> I'm going to assume. Now, uh, uh, he was a Nazi, like sh- literally wore a khaki stormtrooper uniform with a swastika armband through the streets of Minnesota and got in various fist fights in the street with anti-fascist organizers. This dude was oh, a yeah. tried and Love true Nazi uh, through and through. Uh, he also had like these stereotypical like Aryan brotherhood mustache, like that fucking droopy mustache all the way down to the corner of his chins that you assume that it's either a shitty stepdad or a Nazi has. Yeah, he had that. Jesus. Uh, I cannot confirm if he was a shitty stepdad or not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was not alone uh, in from his group of Minnesota to go to Rhodesia. Another one was named Frederick Verdun, uh, who was a star of a three part series in Soldier of Fortune who managed to leave out the fact he was a literal Nazi and a member of a Nazi party. Mm. Weird how they do that. Uh, Though most of these guys would unfortunately escape with their lives, uh, Verdun escaped the collapse of Rhodesian state by jumping over the border of South Africa and continuing his career of murdering black people. Several of Verdun's soldiers in South Africa were British National Front members. So, shock how they keep coming back. Uh, well, shit. They're the ones that fill the fucking British Free Corps, so why not go fight the race war? Also, it's pretty interesting that he was, um, such a good piece of shit that the uh, South African military is like, yeah, you can keep your rank and keep doing that shit over here. Wow. Yeah, Biederman would not be able to continue his campaign of racist terror. Uh, Did he die. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. But it was not the guns of the communist guerrillas that took him down. It was friendly, pyre, friendly fire from his own men. So say what you will about the nationalists of the Rhodesian military, but they killed that guy. <laughs> now, after Biederman's death, he was celebrated as a martyr in White Power magazine, just in case he wasn't Nazi enough for him. Also, like the unit of Nazis that he was a member of in Minnesota changed its name to the Biederman unit. <sighs> yep. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, also his grave, hilariously enough, still in Zimbabwe and I really hope whenever a black person walks past, they pee on it. On, yeah, yeah. yeah, You know, the problem with pissing on Nazi graves is <laughs> he eventually run out of piss. Um, the white nationalist nation of Rhodesia would thankfully gone to die, allowing, uh, 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 allowing Africans to finally form their own nation of Zimbabwe. Hilariously, this happened after the, entires, uh, the entire country's Strategic oil reserve was destroyed in a single rocket attack in the Rhodesian capital of Salisbury. Yeah. One attack, like, oh, we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck all our Salisbury gravy. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, it, it's 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 hilarious that um everybody talks about how like great the Rhodesian military is, but they had the worst fucking planning on Earth, where they put their entire strategic oil reserve in one place. <laughs> it wasn't even a real rocket; it was like a bottle rocket or something. <laughs> It was like a training round for like an MLRS. It's just a fucking telephone pole with a rocket attached to it. Damn it. How did they know to attack us in this one place? It's very clearly it more probably
1: just the kid in the fucking neighborhood.
0: Yeah. It was made worse by the fact that white people were fleeing Rhodesia in waves, terrified that the coming black government might treat them as badly as they had been treating black people. They should have fucked yeah. them. And to be fair, they, they kind of did. So, good. <laughs> oh so they did eventually yeah Robert Mugabe went from being like kinda alright with white people to just being a batshit shoelace and, shoelace insane white or, or a white person hater uh, to be fair uh, they deserved it but also Robert Mugabe was a huge piece of shit like he favorably talked about Hitler and stuff
1: Oh, yeah. not, not a good no, guy that's not good
0: yeah uh, now, if you remember uh, back to our time with the British Free Corps, you'll remember that Nazis do the same recruitment tactics that Rhodesian did. Sure, regular fascists already knew that they were down with the National Socialism, uh, and they knew exactly what they were getting into. But for the ones who didn't, uh, uh, they use virulent anti communist and anti leftist ideas to fuel recruitment into white nationalism. Uh, it's a pipeline that is still open today. Eventually, you'll see someone champion the lost cause of the Rhodesian whites, and it will come in various different shapes. Just pull up YouTube uh look at most uh f n f a l uh uh videos on the uh, uh, on just like their use in war I, I it's honestly, gonna be the Rhodesian one I
1: honestly wanted one just because it won the Falklands. that was my big it's a thing. cool rifle, yeah, but mine was because of the Falklands, not because of this shit yeah, uh
0: and it's always painted that Rhodesian green yeah um, with that shit yellow and it's funny. I really like forgotten weapons with gun Jesus oh yeah, and, yeah uh, that dude's cool he because the Rhodesians did make some minor changes to the to the foul. Uh, and so he wanted to look at them and like, and, uh, like they're, uh, they had a really weird, uh, recoil dappener that he tried, but it was obvious that like the person that he was talking to about the, cause he doesn't own most of these guns. He gets them from other people. was really in Rhodesian and made him uncomfortable. Wow. He was just like, That's an episode he, on there? yeah, he's like, I'm just here for the guns, man. Um, you could tell in his face cause he, I mean, he's a professional. He's not gonna be like, yo, shut the fuck up. But yeah. The same goes for those ridiculous khaki booty shorts that the Rhodesians are notorious for wearing, for reasons that nobody will ever convince me is dumb as shit. Like, I understand that it's hot, like it's really fucking hot in Rhodesia or in Zimbabwe or in Africa in general, um, or in and in the Middle East. Uh, uh, I can't imagine wearing shorts and like fighting on rocks and dirt and shit. That shit's gonna fuck you up. Yeah. Um, But like we talked about in a uh, reenactment bonus episode. These those aesthetics that we talked about in the very beginning are important. Why people are want like you have to ask yourself why are people wanting to wrap themselves in the colors and the symbols that represent things that for any other reason than tactic support of them. Um, and Zimbabweans themselves think the same thing. Um, like there there was a, uh, a company in Canada, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, that blew up because of investigative reporting on who was running it and zimbabweans in canada were like why would anybody wear that stuff like it's like to like i imagine to anybody else it's like wearing a nazi armband we all we all anybody right is going to be like nah, that's disgusting but like they're hiding under a, a layer of obscurity you know they're championing white nationalist fascism terrorism concentration camps and the idea that black people aren't able and fit to rule themselves or be your equals right that's what that is. Um, so it can be neatly wrapped up in a piece from Ricochet Media. Uh, Ricochet did a deep dive into a group of white nationalists. One is a guy named Hank. Hank runs Fire Force Ventures, a web store that sells Rhodesian military surplus and reproductions. Uh, the three people that ran the company were all members of the Canadian Armed Forces, which is why this ended up being such a big thing. Like, oh, fuck, we got racist in here just in case you think that this is for people like Hank who are just in the military history, he was interviewed on a white nationalist podcast uh, that no longer exists, and I will not name, uh, uh, about why he runs this stuff. He said, quote, if you're into politics, get a flag, because normies don't know what this flag means, the Rhodesian flag. He knows exactly what he's selling. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so how do you feel about all those reenactors that you knew now? Oh, man.
1: <laughs> At first, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're into the aesthetics. Because they were like, oh, these fucking cool shorts, and
0: they're they always into the camo and whatnot. But fuck. You know, every once in a while, you have to be like, there's um, like somebody just dresses up as the Wehrmacht." I think it's safe to say that the idea that's generally accepted by the general populace, even if it's wrong, is that, well, they were just soldiers. They didn't do anything terrible. You know, Hitler was, they were just, they were soldiers following orders. Right. We know now that's not true, but
1: no. The jet. It, a lot of people in the reenacting community even hide behind the whole, oh, I do this for the history to teach people.
0: Sure. A lot. Uh, but it's hard. There's, every once in a while, there's symbols that come out that are erectly ir- ir- believe like what they stand for. That is, you know, the, the death said, the SS. Ooh, I have good stories about that. Um, uh, and the Rhodesian flag uh, and South- apartheid South Africa flag. Like Dylan Roof wore those symbols for a reason, he knows what those are. Um, and you, there, it's hard to, and you know, I'll even give a little bit of credit towards people uh, from the South who still dress up as Confederates because there's a very good chance they got they got the same public school uh, education that we did. That sure slaves were involved, but they're fighting for states' rights, you know. And you know, my great great grandpappy or whatever wore gray, so you know, I respect his service or whatever other mental gymnastics they have to bend themselves to because. There's a good chance that they're not going to actively go look into the fact of why their great grandparents or great great grandparents were kind of pieces of shit yeah, I, I mean most people don't want to do that and they and who goes out and educates themselves further on history when you don't need it? you know um listen to this podcast anyway uh, <laughs> now, um but yeah that's there's certain leeways you give to some things, and this isn't one of them right uh unless you're gun Jesus on your channel and you just want to test out that fucking weird Rhodesian recoil dampering device, which by the way did work. Uh, it's like a weird flash thing. I've never seen before. Uh, like, you're like, huh, like watch that one. Huh? That worked. And then he moves on like, cause like it's something that never popped up again. Like right. nobody else ever tried to use it. Um, or if you're talking about like how they used V shaped holes against IEDs, like first time that's really ever happened. Cool. You know, but then it's like you end up falling into like certain wormholes and like, why the National Front was right? Like, oh, I've gone too deep. Ooh-ee. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. I think that's something that comes with there's certain historical boogeymen that like people in the reenactment community fall for. And I think that's one of them. And that's something that, I don't know, people in the John Birch Society probably agree on. I don't know. No. Um,
1: it almost makes me want to ask like, hey, what's your obsession with Rhodesia?
0: Because I have. A, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a fair thing to ask. Like, you do realize that this is all bad, right?
1: <laughs> now, now
0: I'm really curious. It's like, you can accept that, like, uh, that a an army that we can all, as, correctly assume we're fighting for the wrong reasons, like, we can be like, okay, you gotta give to them. They, they're a good army. But this is, they're still bad. Right. It's like talking about like, people like Otto Skrenzi or something like that. Like, dude was legitimate, like, mad, genius-type military person. But he's a fucking Nazi. Fuck him. I mean, that's how I feel about people like Heinz Guderian Yeah. or, you know, I'm a tank guy. You're going to read about Heinz Guderian, but also like, fuck him. He's a Nazi. It's people that get too much into it and too far into the weeds on this shit that like they kind of lose, they lose the thread of why they're bad because like they re- it's weird because it's like, well, I respect this one thing about him. So all in all, he can't be that bad of he's a person. Guy. Yeah. 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 So Nick, that brings us to. Questions from the Legion, which we skipped mm, yes, last we week. Did. and we And we are hacks and we are frauds. So we'll do two this week. Um, uh, so the first one is, uh, what is your favorite Total War game? Because we both Ooh. fucking love Total War games. Mine is definitely Shogun 2. 100%. In all honesty,
1: I, I enjoyed Napoleon Total War. I really liked Empire. I liked Empire, but somehow Napoleon Total War just caught me. I don't know why. Uh, they almost seemed like the same game they weren't, but Napoleon just got me.
0: Yeah, and I probably would like Empire a lot more if it had the gameplay of Shogun 2 because like Empire's units all kind of suck. I sucked. never played Shogun. Shogun 2 is really good. Shogun 1 is well, aged terribly. You probably won't enjoy it too much. Um, I haven't played any of the Warhammer ones. I'm I'm a 40k Warhammer guy. I'm not a, a ye olde Warhammer, mm. uh, Warhammer guy, so I probably wouldn't enjoy it too much, so I haven't. I haven't played uh, the Three Kingdoms one, even though I really fucking want to because my computer's a goddamn potato. <laughs> uh, I really want to play it, though. Uh, our second question from the Legion is, how would you... Or what advice would you give someone um, who's planning and joining the military?
1: What advice would Don't I give them? Don't join the yeah, military. That honestly
0: would be mine. Uh, now, I understand that if you're like us... And you're trying to get out of, like, a shitty hometown with, like, no prospects. Like, I'm never going to hate anybody for doing that. Um, And nobody else should either. No. Uh, If you look down on somebody for finding a way out of a shitty life circumstance that you probably don't understand, you're probably a bad person. Uh, But also, if you are that person, you should know that the military doesn't give a fuck about you. And you should do everything in your power to take everything you can from the military and Mm -hmm. get out as soon as possible. It only takes three and a half years to get your GI Bill, man. <laughs> get, a, get a nice cushy job that's gonna teach you a skill. Uh, no, nobody's ha- hiring fucking tank crewmen. Trust me, I can tell you. You know, uh, use your fucking t- tuition assistance while you're in. Get your t- everything. Yeah, get, get everything you can and get the fuck out. Like this isn't a career, man. Unless you're already in fucking twelve years, get out. <laughs> the only thing that will happen for you at twenty years, is you're gonna get a pension that's not even your whole paycheck. No, and your knees and back are gonna be fucked. And then you're going to get out and you're going to try to get a job doing something else. And guess what? You're going to be starting all the way from ground zero because nobody gives a shit about your experience as an enlisted person. It's true. Officers can normally like segue into some bullshit middle management role, but nobody cares that you were a sergeant. <laughs> yeah. So
1: take those stickers off your, <laughs> the back of
0: your car. Yeah. If you have your entire ERB on the back the window of your car, I'm going to assume if I worked with you, I would have hated you.
1: I assume that every <laughs> time I go into a parking lot, I go, Oh, fuck that one, guy of the, sucks. one of that these one of these guys sucks. It's
0: always a guy that guy sucks yep. that guy sucks well everybody, uh thank you for joining us this week on um, our journeys. How through... much hate are we gonna get on this <laughs> that one uh probably not a lot, I assume it's a i mean I, uh, frequent guest on the show, Francis, is a good example of hell the way to die. He's only in because he's close to retire. <laughs> I would do the same thing. I, I was actually kind of dumb for getting out when I did because I was at ten years. I'm like, but you're at the fifty percent point. Ten years is a long fucking time. It is. And I hated the goddamn military. So I'm like, I do, if I do another ten years, I will shoot myself. I need to get out. You were broken. I also yeah, I was walking with a cane at, 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 for a almost a year um i couldn't sleep uh yeah i was i was a mess uh but yeah i couldn't do another 10 years i would rather do 10 years in fucking prison hmm. i mean you get treated better <laughs> <laughs> you still get told what to do yeah at least <laughs> so at least you, yeah. that's there <laughs> yeah that's uh, do you ever watch a show uh like 60 days in or whatever it's called yeah, do. the people like the only people who ever do well are people are like veterans because they're like I'm used to sitting around doing nothing and people yelling at me for no reason. <laughs> I'm even used to the casual racism. <laughs> uh but yeah, uh, thanks for joining us this week in uh horrible Rhodesian history. I will play yeah, That's awful. Yeah, uh Nick, thank you for stopping in. Um and everybody else. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Make sure to like, share, and smash that subscribe (laughs)
1: button.
0: Uh, Rate us on iTunes and all other jazz because it helps us, and we will see you next week.